We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. Uh, thank you for joining us on this special weekend episode of the LFR Pod. We wanted to wait until after the Clippers game and then after the Portland game. And we find ourselves at the end of this uh, in the seventh seat. And we're going to talk about that more like the ramifications of the play-in tournament, you know, the mechanics of it, how it works, because I think there's some confusion ab- about that. But today, I really want to talk about the the game against Portland and really get into it, because I've been waiting all season long for us to kind of get more into the present tense. And this felt like a step toward that. And maybe that's just my hopes, right? That, and that on Sunday against Phoenix, it's not going to look like the way that it did against the Clippers. But... What I saw Darius in this game was a team that was at a bad deficit in an important aspect of the game. We're without LeBron James, without Dennis Schroeder, and also without Taylor Horton Tucker. And what that means is that we don't have many guys who can dribble. So like the first possession of the second quarter is Kyle Kuzma bringing the ball up against full court pressure and handing the ball off to Wes Matthews. I think uh, the fourth started what with, with point Keefe, right? Point Mark yeah. Morris. The point being that there are guys being put in positions that they're just not used to being put in. And so in, in a key aspect of this game, we were at a big talent disadvantage, which was true in the Clippers game as well. But the difference was, is that we competed in this game and Anthony Davis had his best game back really one of his best games of the season in ways that 
I was very encouraged by beyond just the numbers. So let's yeah. start there, man. I'd love to hear your in in this environment where we don't have guys able to make post entry passes and and do a lot of the ball handling things that make a normal NBA offense look like one. Anthony Davis was still able to dominate. I thought this was the natural successor to the game against the Nuggets. The Clippers game was in between that, right? But AD played one shift in the first quarter. He had some, I thought, some defensive miscues in that Clippers game. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that that the Clippers' defensive game game plan against him individually and against a team was really going to make his life hard. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to be really a great example for him of really another building block game. This game, I thought, was more representative of that for him. And I really liked a lot of the nuance that he brought offensively. Because of where I live, I did not get the Spectrum feed. So I got the ESPN feed, right? And um, that's a different feed. And they're highlighting different things, right? And so there was a particular segment where... Doris Burke was just sort of breaking down what AD was doing. And he had a really, he had a couple of really good possessions where I thought he just showed why he's one of the best players in the world. Like got into his dribble, uh, came off a pick and roll, right? Like a four or five pick and roll too. And gets downhill some, leans into Covington to sort of like get him off of him and then elevates and shoots a little fading 15-foot jumper going left. And it's just like, that's the dude who I recognize. And in the fourth quarter, especially, just the level of effort that he was showing on both ends of the floor. I thought defensively he was monstrous in that fourth quarter, it, it didn't mean that he was perfect, but I just thought his activity level was so high that he was able to make a lot of plays that he just has not been making. This is a case where the small picture of being the game tonight and the big picture kind of have the same general point in that AD looking like himself was why the Lakers were in this game, despite all of the the uh, the the places that they had to make up that they just didn't have the roster for, as Pete alluded to, with the complete lack of playmaking, um, and that is that is what is going to have to happen for the Lakers to get where they want to get in the postseason, along with, of course, LeBron returning and Schroeder um, returning with his health. So it's kind of like they there were there there's a couple boxes the Lakers have to check, and the one that we have to see right now is that AD is getting close to being AD. And so on top of the Denver performance, having this one where he plays 39 minutes, he scores 36 points. He's got 12 rebounds. He's got five assists. I thought he had more than one block. That's what he got credited with. But like the plays Darius was just referring to one of them was when he packed Nurkic. The other one was when he disrupted Covington. And I think that one didn't get ruled as a block. I don't know if it slipped out of his hands or whatever happened on that one, but that's the AD that especially in crunch time gives the other team nightmares when, well, how are you supposed to score? Cause he can take the rim away completely almost by himself um, in rotation, whatever. And then he can go give it to you on the other end. So that's super encouraging. And, and uh, Pete, let me kind of kick it back to you for some 80 specific thoughts on this game tonight. And, and, and like kind of what you saw that's encouraging. Cause I, I don't think you can take a discouraging uh, point away from this game for AD. 
Certainly not, but this was especially encouraging to me because he dominated around the basket. He persevered through hardship. I thought that he used his physical advantages to dominate a smaller player. So much of this year, he's been settling for jump shots and just not really physically dominating the guy across from him. How many times have you seen AD this year, Pete, really say, F it, I'm going to the backboards. And you're not stopping me from making an impact on, on the glass. I thought... That was the encouraging thing for me against the Nuggets is is that he was going he was getting contested rebounds and not mm-hmm. just uncontested ones. That's and right. I thought this game he did even more of that. That's absolutely the case. And that goes to the again, my wanting to focus on today. This is of course what we need to succeed in the postseason. But under the current circumstances where you're playing a game, you're trying to beat the Portland Trailblazers, you have no ball handlers. How do you give your team a chance to win this game? We didn't win it, but we had a chance to win this game in ways that we didn't didn't have against the Clippers and that we didn't bring the necessary effort. Like, this is why we lost games to the Kings and why we give up 72 points and a half to the Raptors. There was a certain level of engagement and a, I'm going to dominate around the basket that AD showed. But also within that, he got tapped on a bunch of shots, man. We, he had a bunch of little floaters and jump hooks that he back-rimmed that are usually that shot. Like he had beaten Covington or whomever was defending him on that play, and usually that's his shot. He had that one play where he should have gotten fouled. But the whistle we got tonight, man, that's a whole other topic. But this, I rarely ever complain about the, the refs. This was an awfully officiated game. It's anyway. bad. It's bad. Now, just yeah. fourth quarter alone. The three plays that were just killing me, and I think I heard James. So I got switched over to the post game zooms. Apparently, James Worthy was going in um, oh, yeah. on the refs after. So Pete, maybe you could summarize that. But the play, so the Caruso goaltending play, uh, the AD play where where he tried to dunk it, and then Nurkic clearly smashed into him on the way up. No call, um, no bucket, and then uh, the uh, the final play late. Uh, what, what was the what was the third play at the rim? Yeah, the biggest player, right? The Kuz Tippin. And so all of those plays, right? Just, just those alone, it's it's probably a different result, right? So just just those plays alone. And Portland took advantage. Uh, Lillard canned a couple of threes off of that. But that, that's a, I think that's where the players had more of a frustrated tone and kind of a disappointed tone after because they all said they felt like they played well enough to win. Um, they battled despite being shorthanded on a back-to-back. They withstood some of some of you know Dame's night, and that that was a that was a tough one to take for them. So this is one of those things where it, I, I believe in the basketball gods, right? And that just that comes from. And I know this sounds like a romantic, uh, silly notion, but in my experience, watching basketball, coaching basketball on a very low level, you get rewarded for playing a certain way. Certain things happen to you. You luck into a better whistle. You luck into a better bounce. If you respect the game, if you stay focused and really uh, working on what you do, you will get rewarded for those types of things. But it doesn't happen overnight. We have not brought the requisite presence in the moment enough this season to where now that we're deciding, hey, tonight we're... We don't care that we're down all of these ball handlers. We're going to try to win this game. We're going to do whatever we can with the roster that we have. That includes some rotation changes too, right? That's a a coaching thing as well. But we're going to do everything that we can to win this game tonight. 
Well, just saying that, hey, we're going to do that. You got to kind of get yourself out of the mud, right, to be able to, to do that. And you don't always get rewarded. And that's where I was going with the AD thing. Those shots, if he keeps playing the way that he did against Portland tonight, he's going to make those shots that he got tapped on. That dunk, like even that play against against uh, Nurkic, that dunk went halfway down before it popped back out. There were several very strange plays in this that, uh, to me, I, I was laughing in my whole ethos and, and way of conceptualizing the game. I'm like, yeah, that's your toll to the basketball gods for yeah. not bringing it for so much of the season. And he fought through that, man. He he fought through. There was a point we went down by 10 in that fourth quarter. I, Dame hit a three, then CJ hit a three, took it from four to 10. That was about three minutes left. And I said, that feels like the dagger. And then mm-hmm. they they got it back. Man, Bro, and got AD, AD got it back, man. Yep. AD went on a bonkers run and he almost brought us all the way back. And that's the type of thing where you saw him being frustrated with himself, the free throws, he's missing the, missing the free throws, all of this, right? But he fought through the frustration. And to me, this was a, a really important building block game going forward because those things matter. I hope they see it that way too. Which I hope is- so. I hope they're not too discouraged. Yeah, Mike. There's a certain defiance that I look for in a team that is good, that is sort of down on its luck a little bit, right? Because it's very easy, that sort of woe is me. The Lakers are basically, you're going to compare them to a football team. They're like a team that is out there trying to run the Wildcat offense for real. Like, not as like a gimmick. Like, we actually don't have a core quarterback. So we're going to run the Wildcat the entire game. And we're going to try to grind you down in order to win. There's a certain amount of resiliency and commitment to that idea that you need to have and, and, and sort of buying in, which I think what Pete was speaking to before. But when you start to suffer the types of injuries and losses that the Lakers have, I think it's easy to get down on yourself. I think it's easy to feel discouraged. I, I think it's easy to sort of say, you know what? Maybe it's not our year. We won last year. That was great. This year, everything keeps going bad. Ku sort of spoke to this um, in the post game after I think the Clippers game, right? Where he was talking about like the bad juju. And, and there's like some of that is tongue in cheek, but I think it's, it's reflective of what I'm talking about that. It's sort of easy to get down, down on yourself. So post game, Mike, what's the feeling that you're getting from the players when you're listening to them reflect on games like this? Players are almost always going to be more confident than fans watching the players. It's, there's a reason why these guys have gotten this far in their lives. And for the most part, they, these guys have all had success since they were kids. And it gets, you can get on a team where a losing team, right? A young team, usually some malaise can build um, with the wrong culture and that can happen. But more often than not, you know, these, these guys are all going to have a, a source of confidence. And I think there's a big difference between the Lakers and the Blazers. And even in this game tonight and the Blazers, just, they're not going to get into you. Like they are bad, defensively and they're 29th in the NBA they came out and actually pressured the ball I think the game plan was sound Stotts watched the game last night or I guess this is now two nights ago depending on when you're listening to this against the Clippers and they're like oh the Lakers we should be up on them and Pete I think you texted this to our group thread right uh like they were they were up they were they're pressing and the Lakers were turning the ball all over the place and then the Blazers were like okay we're good and it, it, Damon CJ just let Caruso <laughs> 
drive by whenever he wanted to. They let mm-hmm. KCP cut wherever he wanted to. They let AD catch the ball, which was which they never should have done. They should have been trapping him and, and fronting him and denying him because he's just going to cook Covington uh, just like he did in the playoffs last year. So I, I just – I don't think Portland – Portland's – what they go back to is – is trying to stay close enough in games where Dame and CJ can hit shots late. Like, that's their plan. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work against good teams. And the Lakers, even tonight, as shorthanded as they were, and they you you almost literally cannot be more shorthanded than having your three or at least three of your top four playmakers out. Um, and just LeBron and Shooter out is a, is a huge, huge loss. It just is. And the Lakers say, well, you know what? We can still defend. That's what AD said. After that's the game. Right that's what Frank Vogel said. So that's their DNA. That's what they do. And that's why that that confidence, I think, is still there. And where it's more, instead of being, you know, pissed that whatever the seeding thing is and, you know, how this increases Portland's chance of of, uh, of having a higher seed than the Lakers and the Lakers being in the play-in, they're just more pissed that, like, they know that they what they feel like they have that defensive club in their bag is better than Portland even at full strength. And so that's it's an annoyance, Darius. It's not it's yeah. not so much like woe is me. And that's what you that's what you need, Pete. Like yeah. that's what they have to get back to. That's speaking to the point I was really trying to get at is is that there is an arrogance and a like we want to keep going rather than sort of wallowing in mm-hmm. your lot in life, in right? Your misfortune. And yeah. and it's it's important to me that this team understands that they can still find their way right and they know that yeah and their ceiling may not be as high with a with a not 100% LeBron and a group that has not had enough time together right and at some point if they get far enough in the playoffs that may show up for them but there is a certain amount of belief that I want them to have and this game was encouraging on that note because AD sort of led led them there. After the Denver game, I wrote this piece at, at Forum Blue and Gold called Proof of Life. And it was my ode to sort of AD with the, like, we back. And, mm-hmm. and that idea of he's saying that to KCP, like, in the moment, like, we just got a good win, right? But a part of me feels like AD saying that to himself. And... This game, I thought, was a great example of him sort of pushing it one more step forward. But there's more steps to go. That's why the way that this went, even with the loss, the pushing through that 10-point deficit, even early on, it was like a 14-point game. I I was thinking with the ball handling issues, I'm like, this is going to be a 25-point game in the third quarter. And that's going to be that. And there are different points where you can make those choices throughout a game, where teams absolutely make those choices of are we going to push back or are we going to try to roll over until the next next time and what you were saying about belief my biggest concern about the team lately has been hearing more and more of those quotes like man it's just one thing after the after another yeah which is totally true it totally has been right like there's a lot of things out of your control so it's not wrong and they're not wrong to get discouraged but it is something that you got to push through well there there so this to get back to in try to keep this to the centralized point for me uh, to take out of this game and all relating back to Anthony Davis. What these guys and what the teammates of Anthony Davis need to see is what they saw tonight. They need to see right. him dominating again. That's going to breed confidence for everyone else. And when LeBron comes back, 
that's the final piece. If the Lakers see LeBron come on the court and be LeBron, then then that's it. Then then confidence restored, order restored. And it's not that they can't get there um, if LeBron isn't that complete thing, but like that is still very possible. And and that's why we have to be so careful uh, not to not to push this aside and not and to freak out about a play-in game. Like if LeBron's healthy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do the whole thing. Oh man, the Lakers better be careful. What if the Warriors come in with Steph Curry? No. If LeBron's healthy, then the, whoever the opponent coming into Staples Center that night should be scared. Like, and that's the attitude they have to have. Speaking of LeBron and him come coming back, I think he needs to see AD like this as much yeah. as like we talk about. Yeah. Oh, the rest of AD's team teammates. Well, guess who is one of AD's teammates? LeBron James. To me, it was not necessarily a coincidence that LeBron was not pushing through at the same level when he saw in a couple in those two games that he came back that AD was not pushing through right there with him right i'm not going to try to like speak for for lebron or or even speculate where where his head would be around that stuff it's just that lebron knows as much as he's going to say if i'm not myself if i'm not one 100% our chances go way down. He also knows if AD is not right there standing shoulder to shoulder with him playing at that same level, the Lakers' chances also go way, way, way down. And so performances like this are important for everyone. They're important for AD. They're important for all of the non-LeBron teammates, but I think they're also important for LeBron. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in a, in a postseason where it's likely that LeBron is not going to be at his physical best. Yeah. So he may need somebody to pick up the slack not just overall, but in terms of physical dominance. If you have one of your superstars able to be physically dominant, the other one can maybe absorb some of those decision-making responsibilities while not carrying as big of a load in that respect. And only Anthony Davis can do that. So LeBron and the rest of us being able to see that from AD was very encouraging. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, there were some more changes tonight from the coaching perspective and a lineup perspective that signaled that this is us turning it back into the present tense. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So I would argue that this is the first game that Mark Gasol played in on purpose in quite some time. Uh, maybe the Denver game, maybe he was supposed to be in the rotation in that. But what actually happened was Andre Drummond picked up his third foul. And he, Mark came in for the last two minutes or so of the second quarter, which is not a normal shift, right? Trez had already gotten burned in, That's right. in that Den Denver game. And he had already played his normal shift. Drummond comes back in to play his normal shift to close out the half, picks up a foul. And rather than going back to Trez, That's right. he went to Mark. He goes to Mark. So he's not in the normal rotation at that point. Usually if you don't get a normal rotation run in the first half, you're not slated for one in the second half. There was another game where Trez was predetermined to sit before the game in kind of the spirit of we're going to give everybody run type of thing. But that was like announced before the game. That wasn't the case tonight. This was a game where Marc Gasol came in as the backup center. Trez did not play. And the the responsible adults lineup that I, I've been talking about, him and Wes came in and I, I thought really helped stabilize things, especially in that uh, late first and into the second quarter, kind of got that game under control. But Mike, this was the first time, like I said, that I think in, in a while where Mark came in as the backup on purpose. And I, I thought that was a significant event. Yeah, Frank Vogel had hinted at this and it – it played out in the way that he had hinted. Now, I don't know if, I don't know at what point that he decided this. Was it after a certain game in which Gasol was clearly the better option, especially against bigger players, or was it always part of the plan? I don't know. But the bottom line is, I wasn't totally surprised by this because of what Frank had been saying for the last week and change. And his basic point was that against teams that have two bigs, like two classic bigs that have a, basically a backup center like Enos Cantor then Marcus Gasol is going to play. Or a team that, that has a player like Jokic who's going to play 35 to 40 minutes, in which case you need two bigs on him. And you don't want one of those guys to be Trez. And I think what we, to summarize this, Darius, as we move forward, anytime the Lakers are in a matchup like, say, Sunday, when Dario Saric is the backup center, I think you're going to see Trez on Sunday. I think he's going to give Trez a chance to try to bully uh, Charles to try to go through him to try to score at the rim but uh, if uh, you know Mark could play also on DeAndre Ayton if Ayton plays big minutes and Drummond gets in foul trouble and just in whatever happens so it's not necessarily that he's going to get a DNP but if a team doesn't go small at all like Portland did tonight then you're probably not going to see Tress unless something different happens and I think it's a good adjustment I think it's it's appropriate I think it's key 
for what a playoff matchup is. And just like we saw last season, guys, when it came down to it, there was going to be a series where, sorry, JaVale, this isn't your series. Sorry, Dwight, this isn't your series. Um, sorry, Keith, this isn't your series. And uh, AD, you're going to play. You're going to be playing. But that's that's I think where they've gotten to, and I think that's progress. I do think it's progress. Not perfect I, progress. No, that's right. Uh, I'm still skeptical to a certain extent, only from the standpoint of the Lakers really need Mark right now on for offensive purposes as that's well. Right. And there is like a need there that I think supersedes what Trez brings offensively. That is also a strength, I think, that Vogel does value, right? Which is his scoring and his interior presence. But without a playmaker out there to help Trez, he's not a let's throw you the ball in the post 25 times and you go get us points. He needs a pick-and-roll partner. He needs someone who's going to drive and dish to him. He needs someone who's going to break down the defense and get up shots on the backboard, and then Trez can clean up via offensive rebounds. That player does not exist right now on the Lakers roster healthy enough to actually get burned. So what the Lakers need then is an organizer. They need someone who can move, who can move the ball around, who they can run offense through, who can help generate shots for other players. And that's Marcus Saul. And, and, And so my concern in this Pete, isn't that I don't doubt that Mark, that the choice was made. Right. And it wasn't by happenstance. It wasn't because of some fluky thing that happened with fouls or, or something like that where I start to have a little bit of pause is I wonder when LeBron James is back, when Dennis Schroeder's back, is Vogel still going to look at Marcus Saul as the option here, or is he going to go back to the lineups that he's been favoring when those guys were available to play? So I, I, I want to try to stipulate something out of what you just said, Darius, and throw it at Pete. If the Lakers had to win tonight's game, given the personnel that they had, and it was otherwise your season is over. I think I think the lineup that would have made more sense would have been Mark to start. Like you need the playmaking right there from the beginning because uh, you don't have it with the guards, and, and that's that's the way that I would have gone. I don't know if, if Vogel agrees or not, but I think the they are expecting to get LeBron um, back soon. They are expecting to get Shooter at some point, and so you know, do you then disrupt the whole Drummond thing? Like put Drummond on the bench because you've already done that with Trez. You've already kind of increased Mark's role some. And I think that was probably a bridge too far uh, for Frank to go and make that adjustment. Again, this is like they didn't have to win this game. I get that it has implications for the seven seed, Pete. But like that to me, there is still at least enough of a difference there that that's where uh, that's where Frank was going for the Portland game. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm not talking about Mark should have started this game. It's more just if everyone was actually available Still considering the matchups, right? It's still Cantor, it's still Nurkic, it's still all all of that. Would he have still pivoted the mark here and looked at him as the most viable option? And I'm not sure with that. Oh, I, I think you're fair to be uncertain about that. I'm not sure that he would have either. I think the Lakers have tried to enact a plan that has somewhat backfired. Remember when we signed Drummond? I was like, without LeBron all of the things that will piss you off about Drummond will be accentuated. And pretty much the whole time about with Drummond has been without LeBron. And the two games that we had 
AD was in a funk. LeBron certainly wasn't moving well. So the theory, I believe, behind the starting lineup and the insistence that we're trying to start Andre Drummond is to get the athletes out in transition, to play at a very fast pace. And I do think that's a a team-wide idea. And since we have not had LeBron, a lot of the things that are bad about him, it's not just that like there are certain fit elements, right, where he's He's not a shooter, so he's not a floor spacer. He's going to be a dunker spot guy by and large. Next to another big without a guard and without a ball handler at this period of time. Now that AD's kind of starting to click back into the the player that we know he can be, there's still not that guard to help make it make sense. And all of that is, or a great deal of that are external factors, right? The idea was we're going to get them enough minutes before the end of the regular season for this to be cohesive enough that by the time the postseason runs around, we'll be able to do this. But the second injury to LeBron in particular, I think has thrown a wrench in this where I am on your side of thinking Darius in that Mark should be the 25 to 30 minute per game guy. And then in most circumstances, I think Drummond is the other guy and filling the rest of those minutes, sometimes Trez. And there will be some games where Mark's an 18-minute guy, right? But the point is that Mark is the guy that you build your rotation around. Although I believe that's off of the bench because I think that he's more useful with that that second unit. I also think that when LeBron comes back, Mark and LeBron had a great net rating to start the season. They play really well off of each other. And so those two going up against second units to start second and fourth quarters, like I think they could just dominate those units as well anyway like i get what they were going what they were going for with drummond and i do still think that it would work given enough runway and enough time but the fact is that we do have some cohesion built up with mark and in a season that's had so little of it so many guys going in and out having a guy who is not just somebody that you have a history with and minutes with but mark knows how to play yes in a way that just makes things flow and organize in a way where like I was watching that first shift with Drummond and AD and everybody without a guard there, they were playing like they just met at, at the Y. And this is not a criticism on any individual player. They're just, it was disorganized basketball. They're figuring out how to play with each other. And so I'm more and more to the, like if, if Mark is not a significant part of, what we're doing. I think that's a huge mistake because we've had so little in the way of cohesion and consistency throughout the year. Let's just deal with what the reality is though. And and actually and just observe with what Vogel's done and take the last two weeks. He played 21 minutes against Boston, 18 against Dallas, 17 against Denver, 23 against Portland. He barely played against the Clippers, six minutes, the Kings, eight minutes and the Knicks, five minutes. Those are all small second units that he didn't play against the big second units or the, the ones that have a, a player like Jokic. He played more. And I think that's that's going to be the general thing that Frank's going to do so that he can he can. That's the way to sell it in the locker room to Trez. Hey, look, I hate sitting you, but this is why Marcus Gasol is better against this type of player. And the same thing. Drummond is what it is right now with the starting lineup. But sometimes Drummond's going to play 20 minutes. Sometimes he's going to play 25. I think it's rare that you're going to see that you're going to see him play much more than that. But the allowance that I think we've seen from Vogel is that in the right matchup, when Gasol is playing well, and by the way, Gasol doesn't like switching out um, on the perimeter. He doesn't like playing against bigs that shoot threes, and then he has to track back. Like he doesn't like. He prefers to play against a big that's going to be down low. That's what he's done his whole career. That's what he's most effective at. 
So in those type of series, I think we're going to see a lot more Mark. And in the type of series where that guy isn't there as much, we're going to see less Mark. And I, I just think that's the way that it's going to be. I'm hopeful. So I, I think I fall more more on the side of he needs to play. Just like, yeah, that's like where I am. Too. Just in general, he needs to play. And I think that he's too smart a player, I think, both offensively and defensively. I think his feel for the game is just too good. I think I just have a soft spot for guys who like go out there and just know what the hell they're doing, regardless of situation or scenario, because they just got it. When Mark called himself the wolf the other night, that quote reminded me of sort of the way that Phil Jackson used to treat Luke Walton. Phil used to call on Luke when the offense really started to gum up because Luke was sort of the triangle whisperer for those Lakers teams, right? He wasn't the most talented player and he was never as good a player as Marcus Gasol. But the idea of this dude knows how to play, he knows what he's doing, and he's never going to get in anyone else's way He's only going to help facilitate the things that help other people succeed, right? And is it always going to work? No, it's not always going to work. Does he have his own flaws? Yes, he has his own flaws. But I'm just of the mind that however we get there, Mike, whether it's because there's a big guy that he needs to match up with, or even if it's just because the Lakers need more floor spacing. I don't care what idea it is that we grasp onto that makes it so that Mark ends up being a regular rotation player. I just want him there. And and so however we all do, we're not talking about what we want though. Like we've, we've, there's evidence now, like we've seen what it is. At this yes. Point. Yes. See, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I, I think that we've been – I think there are locker room dynamics as well. I don't sure. think that it's a coincidence that Wes and Mark were the dudes that went to the bench because you could put Wes and Mark on the bench. And if if you're saying, hey, we're trying to keep 12, 13 guys because exactly what you're saying, Mike, that Vogel looks at his role players appropriately so as being appropriate for different series. And in order to do that, you got to keep your whole squad sharp. Sitting Mark and Wes, they are pros, pros, right? Both guys know exactly the job that they're doing, and they can sit for two weeks. You can plug them in at the end of the third quarter of a game that they didn't expect to play in, and they will come in, and they will know exactly what they're doing right away. And they might not may not love it, but they're going to be pros, and they're going to be ready when you call upon them. I think that's part of the reason why they're the guys that got put to yeah, the side. Yeah, that, that was the time last pod about Mark. Right. Yeah. For, so what I'm saying in context with, I don't necessarily think we have seen the way that Vogel will be operating his rotation. Now, one game isn't enough evidence to say, oh, Mark's in the rotation now. But I don't think we've necessarily, I think Vogel's been trying to serve different goals up until this point that, considering our circumstances in the standings and the fact that just the playoffs coming up in five games, play in game or not, that the priorities ha- are starting to change. Yeah. Yes. And, and but I, I'm just saying that like Frank has also just told us explicitly and then put it into action. Drum is going to start. Um, Gasol is going to come off the bench now against the bigger guys. Harold's going to come off against the smaller guys. If the second that Harold or Drummond struggles though, he do- it does seem like he's increasingly going back to Mark. And part of that is because Mark has been playing better and he's been shooting better. 
Um, but again, all three of us have advocated for Gasol all year. It's not like I am the last thing I want to do is try to come across like I'm on the I'm not on the march and play more um, side of this. I'm just trying to to say like it's it's been pretty obvious what's going on, and and I I think it will continue to be so. But the constant in that scenario is Drummond, where it's like Drummond's going to play, and then depending on what happens with the second unit of the other team, yeah. it'll be Marker or Trez. What I'm saying is that our whether it's starting or not the way that Drummond is held, that's that's how Gasol should be. And it should be a, we should either go Drummond or Trez against this team, depending on what they're doing. Because Mark, Mark is the one bit of solid ground. Yeah, I, our- I, hear, I hear that. We, I, I hear that, but I don't, but what indication, is there been yeah. any indication that that's going to happen? That he's just going to say, you know what, Drummond, you go to the bit. So, so that's all I'm saying. We're speaking in, and this is sort of like the idealistic fantasy world of it. Drummond's clearly the starter. If a, in a certain series, yes. if Drummond's really struggling, then and he, could he go to Mark and say, okay, you're starting now. Sorry, Andre. Absolutely. Right. like and, and, and as well he should. But we're not going to start like that. And I, I think it's going to take some doing to get to that point. I, I, I think you're absolutely right in that. But what I'm saying is that there's – I think Drummond's going to start no matter what. But there's a difference between being a 20 to 25-minute guy, like you were saying, and being like a JaVale type of starter. Right. Like if if Drummond isn't appropriate for a series like, yo, you get six minutes at the beginning of the first and third and then we're going to go with, you know what I'm saying? So that's the that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, With you on that. Yep. Are you going to be a four shift player or potentially are you going to be a two or a one shift player? And there is a stature that you carry based off of that. And who, who is being prioritized? Right. And. Just because you're a starter does not mean that you are being prioritized. The Lakers showed that last season, and they showed it specifically with JaVale McGee. And I think, Pete, I don't want to speak speak for you, but I think you and I are sort of saying Mark should be prioritized in that same way as someone who you, this guy should be the constant, even if he's not the starter. So if so, I'm going to try to summarize, because I think we all agree after after all that. So... Drummond's going to start. We all kind of acknowledge that. But what Frank Vogel has been kind of leaning towards in these last couple of games is that Mark is the quicker call off the bench in certain situations, at least than what was happening a couple of weeks ago. And Trez is more like the you can go against small second units and, and give us a lift and give us a boost. But if we're if we're struggling on defense, it may be Gasol that we turn back to um, as opposed to Drummond, especially in second halves. And, and like as well, it should be. Is that does that work? Yes. I also think, too, that as the Lakers hopefully keep playing and keep playing well, AD's role within this as a center, which he was basically closing the game as against the Trailblazers, is is going to be even more important. And and, and Pete, we're not going get, to get to that now, but I definitely want to get more into that in – in future pods, because as AD starts to resemble himself more and more, sort of deploying him in the ways that make the most sense to for the Lakers to be closer to to their peak is something is another decision I think Vogel is going to have to go to. It's funny. This is the lowest we've been in the standings, and Man. the combination of that with how the game went tonight is a really weird mix because this is the most optimistic and excited i've felt in a little bit so um that said i think it's looking more and more likely we're going to be in the play-in game so there's going to be a lot 
to talk about. We'll talk more about the play-in game, the mechanics of it, uh, our likelihood of being in it, just what's coming up with all of that. But I hope you enjoyed this weekend episode of the LFR Pod. We'll be back to start next week. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. Flat with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it? me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian, yes, and that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.